Well, greetings. This is J.R. Dickey. I hope you're having a great day. But if not, hang with me. It's about to get better. Okay, we're going to talk about something today that I think you'll find very interesting. Look around, listen carefully, and think. If you do, you may notice that we live in an age of deceit. People just can't dig their way out of this massive pit of lies. Paul wrote, But evil men and seducers or imposters shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Now, as you observe today's communication environment in all facets of our society, it is steeped in deception. Now, please understand that at best, the news, marketing, and myriad communications we take in are inherently biased and thus fall short of objective truth. Everyone wants you to hear the story, the message, the way they understand it, and to thus form your perspective. The root cause of this is that our mutual human condition causes us to nest the truth in our own subjectivity. Now here are two points to consider concerning deception. First, by definition, deception appears truthful. And second, motive makes a difference. That is, a true statement made with any motive other than God's is inherently a false witness. Now you may think those are overly radical statements, but hear me out. Satan knows that if a lie did not appear truthful, it would fool no one and be useless to the liar. This isn't confined to the used car lot. It's the principle behind all modern advertising and media programming, to deceive and manipulate. It is the principle behind politics, the principle behind cults and false religions, and it's even the principle behind way too many interpersonal relationships. What may look true can really be a sham. Now concerning motive, you may recall that when the religious elite of Jesus' day were looking for an excuse to get rid of him, they found a couple of what they called false witnesses. The Bible says, At last, two false witnesses came forward and said, This fellow said, I'm able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And the high priest rose and said to him, Do you answer nothing? What is it these men testify against you? Now Jesus had indeed said essentially what these false witnesses reported. You can refer to John chapter 2 to read it. So why were they false witnesses? Context and motive. Their motive was to do evil, and what they said was taken out of context. But by contrast, everything God says is completely true. In fact, there's something that God can't do. Read it for yourself in Numbers 23:19. He can't lie. That's not just because he's got all the facts, but also because his character and motive are absolutely pure. If you do a word study in the Old Testament on truth, you'll find that it is strangely linked when attributed to God to something else as well. Between 35 and 40 times, truth is partnered with and mentioned subsequent to the Hebrew word pronounced sheked. Now, 
This word is mostly translated as mercy, but is more accurately goodness, kindness, or faithfulness. Remember that word. We'll come back to it. That is, God prefaces, if you would, his truth with goodness, kindness, and faithfulness. When truth is given this way, it is all truth. Refer to John 16, 13. This is one reason why Jesus could assert that he was the truth. In fact, the New Testament echoes with the Old on this point when it says that Jesus was full of grace and truth. That's right there in John chapter 1. For you see, the Greek word for grace is charis, which literally means that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, goodwill, loving kindness, favor, merciful kindness. Jesus was the truth packaged in grace, so to speak, like the Father, perfect, pure motive always. We need this truth, this kind of truth, not the so-called truth that deceives and then destroys, not the so-called truth that spews forth from sin-tainted motives. No, we need Christ's heavenly truth. It is this truth that sets us free. It's this truth that sanctifies us and sets us apart from the world. It is this truth that purges iniquity. It is this truth that preserves us. The principal fruit of the Holy Spirit is love. See Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 for that. And yet, he is repeatedly called by Christ the Spirit of truth. This is why Paul exhorted us to speak the truth in love. In other words, to speak it as God does. I submit that apart from this, it may not even be truth, at least not from heaven's perspective. If we as Christians could just get a handle on this, it would radically change us and the world around us. We are so quick to level people privately and publicly with truth and to think we're justified because all I said was the truth. But if we want to learn the lingo of heaven... We need to understand that God's way is goodness, kindness, and faithfulness with truth. Christ's way is grace and truth, and the Spirit's way is loving truth. You know, as the psalmist writes, remember that word, cheked? He says, cheked and truth are joined together in God. You know, mankind back in Eden fell through deception We are enslaved and imprisoned by deception. And even when saved by grace, we can be made ineffective because of deception. Soon, a grand deceiver, the Bible calls the son of perdition, will come on the scene. May we let the Holy Spirit lead us into all truth, not just more facts, more data, but into the place where we perceive and speak the truth as God does with heavenly mindedness. Now may the Lord grant you peace in the midst of any storm and faith to trust him. Look for our next podcast and may you realize more of his grace and truth today.